This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. But as far as getting in touch with first responders and our veterans and military and goals to our families and how, how we communicate with them, it's a combination of things. I'd say a lot of it, quite frankly, is word of mouth. Hi, and welcome to the EM Weekly Show, your emergency management podcast. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. You may have heard of the Gary Sinise Foundation and the work they have done with veterans over the past years. You know, things like the Lieutenant Dan Band coming out to play at the USO and and other events like sending children of veterans who have lost their lives to Disneyland. Really great programs such as this. But did you know they also help out first responders as well and, and others like this? I am happy to have the COO of the Gary Sinise Foundation, Elizabeth Fields, today on the show. And we are discussing how the foundation is helping the people who are responding to or are working this COVID crisis from the first responders in the field to the allied healthcare at the hospitals to even the maintenance and janitorial services that are responsible for keeping the hospitals clean and running during this crisis. It's an amazing organization and the ability for them to reach out and help from doing things like helping pay rent if need be or getting food in the homes of people who aren't working anymore who fall into those categories. It warms my heart to see all of the organizations that are coming out to help out with this crisis and helping those that that need help that have been impacted from COVID. Well, now on to the interview. Welcome to the Ian Weekly Show. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. It's kind of interesting to to having you guys on the show because you know everybody thinks of the of the Gary Sinise Foundation as being veteran centric, you know, helping out the fa- veteran families. And I mean, just that alone, I just love to support you guys on that because as a veteran myself, it's it's just awesome that you guys are doing what you're doing. You guys are doing a little bit more than that these days. Absolutely. First, I want to thank you for your service. We'll never forget it. Um, it's, you know, critical for our country. So, uh, again, thank you so much for stepping up and serving in the Navy. We really appreciate it. Um, so Gary Sinise started the foundation, the Gary Sinise Foundation, in 2011. We have four programmatic pillars um, that serve our mission to um, serve our nation's defenders, veterans, first responders, their families, and those in need. And the four programmatic pillars are restoring independence, supporting empowerment. And that's the program where we actually build specially adapted smart homes. We do home modifications and we provide specialty adapted vehicles. And it's primarily been focused on um, those who have been severely wounded in battle, but we also started recently doing homes for first responders. 
Uh, we have a couple in St. Louis that are coming up. So it's always been part of the mission, but it's um, it just haven't, hasn't been as well known uh, as our veteran support. We also do work in community education, relief and resiliency, and our first responder outreach program. And clearly that's a focus right now, given what's going on in the country. How did you know that the COVID response was going to be something that you felt was important to do for the first responders and, and for those that are that have been impacted by COVID um, on the front lines? Well, so again, we've always done some work with first responders. Um, we've always provided training, some grants, um, some financial need when necessary. But when this public health crisis hit, we realized that we really need to ramp up our efforts. Um, We noticed that um, a lot of departments, um, and actually we just added healthcare professionals because clearly their focus is being on the front line and saving lives right now too. We realized there was a lot of need to support with cleaning supplies and protective gear and food that just wasn't getting to these departments or the healthcare providers. So we decided to take this opportunity and really step it up with focusing in that section of our mission right now. We just saw this critical need. This is why the foundation exists. And we decided to sort of switch gears and, and, and make sure that we were providing as much as possible to the first responders, healthcare providers, and quite frankly, their their families as well. Yeah, I was reading something today, and I don't want to give any statistics because I haven't vetted them, but um, a good number of healthcare providers that are on the front lines um, have uh, contracted COVID. And it makes sense because, you know, people are coughing in your face all the time, and you're seeing a lot of people going down with these symptoms that are actually healthcare providers. And matter of fact, I have a couple of friends who have uh, kids now that are, are paramedics uh, and nurses, and they've contracted it. Um, so uh, it, it's for sure uh, a scary time for, for parents that have kids and family members uh, that are on the front lines and family members that have family members on the front lines. And to see it happening and to see you guys stepping up to help those organizations and those families is amazing. So first, thank you for doing that for, for those families kind of person are you seeing that is actually reaching out to you uh, for help? Are they the, the medical doctors or are they the ancillary or, uh, you know, workers? Or what, what kind of workers is actually uh, looking to you for help? So it's actually a combination. Uh, so we have some individuals reaching out to us. Uh, for instance, Gold Star families, um, their surviving spouses, they might have lost their job and they can't afford to pay rent anymore or they're fortunate to have kept their job, but since kids are stay at home now, they can't afford additional childcare. So we're getting a lot of requests, you know, to help financially from Gold Star families, from veterans. But then we're also proactively reaching out to hospitals or bases or medical centers and finding out what is it that these places need. Now, sometimes we'll find out from a fire station in Tucson that they need decontamination equipment. You know, we'll find out from the Navy Medical Center in San Diego 
that their cafeteria is closed, but there's still medical personnel there that need to eat, right? So provide gift certificates so they can have food delivered and have a meal when they're doing 15-hour shifts. So it's a combination, right? We're reaching out, finding out what these different first responder departments or medical facilities or bases need, but we're also getting requests from veterans, first responders, Gold Star families, because they have lost their jobs and they need some financial assistance. So it's a combination. That that is a lot of a lot of work to do because you're not able to just focus on one thing. You, there's a, a lot of stuff coming at you from from many different uh, ways. Do you now? What's your staffing like? I mean, do you have mostly volunteers, or what's that look like for you guys? Well, luckily, quite frankly, this last year, the CEO and I took a a serious assessment of our staffing and decided that if we wanted to keep growing and improving our impact to the communities that we serve, that we need to hire more people. And thankfully we did, because if we had not grown our staff, I actually don't know how we'd be able to be fulfilling the mission, especially with this additional need to help during this public health crisis. So we do have a specific outreach department that's literally taking emails and phone calls 24 seven to sit there and help take these requests and then deliver on the request. But we've also been able to pivot from staff, excuse me, pivot some staff who had been previously putting on events for us, right? We're not putting on events right now. Right. So those staffs, right, they're reaching out to our Gold Star families or they're reaching out to our home recipients and other communities that we serve and are calling and making sure they're okay and that they're getting what they need. So it's mostly staff. We have some ambassadors and our advisory council and our board members who are helping as well, but it's really staff that are stepping up, pivoting when necessary, taking on additional responsibilities when necessary to make sure we deliver and deliver quickly and effectively. That's awesome. And, you know, thank you for your staff members that are out there doing this as well, because obviously without them, it's going to be harder to provide the services that you guys are providing for people. And that's, that's just an amazing story in itself. Oh yeah. We're so grateful for what the staff is doing. A few of them, it's actually funny. And I'll have my weekly meetings with a couple of them and I'll sit there and say, my God, I swear I'm working harder than I did before. And I'm like, you know what? I think we all are. But the good (laughs) news is it's hard not to be passionate about what we're doing. So you want to do more and, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day to make sure that we're we're doing what we need to do. And so I appreciate the staff. I mean, we didn't have this dedicated staff. There's just no way we'd be able to do what we're doing. So thank you, staff. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I've been seeing some stories coming out of New York City mostly, uh, and I'm sure it's everywhere else too, but it just happens to be the, the ones I'm seeing of healthcare providers that are working 12, 15-hour shifts and and their their masks are indenting on their face and they're getting sores behind the ears. And I know an organization here in Southern California that's working on, on trying to provide masks that, uh, or at least um, devices for the mask that uh, don't uh, put the pressure on the face anymore and it, it kind of puts it to the back of the head a little bit. And it's just amazing to see organizations like that and like yours stepping up to do things for the first responders, for the medical staff, because it's, you know, we talk about those that are getting ill and and that's, 
tragic and and I know that we're doing our jobs everybody is doing their job to to stay home or the majority I should say to stay home to try to to, to flatten that curve um, but I think sometimes we forget about the you know they call it allied healthcare right the the RTs and the people that are checking you into the hospital and the people that are doing those type of, um, you know, the pharmacist tax and things like that, that yeah. are doing those jobs as well. Have you reached out to them? Well, so we're putting that in the category of healthcare provider. So when we go to a medical center, whether it's on a base or just a hospital, um, we're, you know, we're including everybody, right? Because to your point, the janitorial staff are sitting there putting their lives on the line too. And they need equipment and they need to eat during these 15 hour shifts. So when we deliver food, and protective gear and cleaning supplies, we're including all the medical health professionals that are on the front lines. I mean, most of the time it's doctors and nurses, but we know that there's critical need uh, for anybody that's in their profession. So we'll step up and help in any way we can, whether it's janitorial, to your point, uh, pharmacy, doctors, nurses, uh, just that whole category, because again, they're, they're stepping up on the front lines um, in, in a way that I think nobody ever expected or nobody ever expected to see. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those are truly the, the heroes for lack of a better term. I, I think sometimes we use that word too much, but I think in this case it's, it's fitting that are behind the scenes that we don't necessarily think about, you know, the, the janitorial staff for sure that are keeping those hospitals clean uh, and they're working 24 seven on, on that as well. And, and my hats are off to, to those people um, as, as well as a, as a guy who served, uh, you know, we know that there's every job is very, very critical of keeping um, the, the, the mission going forward, whether if it's the guy who's on the gun or the guy who's in the back, uh, you know, helping procure, uh, the the ammunition and, and food. So everybody has a really big hand um, in this response. Yeah, you know, actually, I have a funny story about that. My dad uh, served in the army in the Korean War. And for, for a very long time, I grew up thinking that he was a cook. And I was really proud of him because I'd be like, well, right, people need to eat. And he served. <laughs> right. And so I really can appreciate the fact that there is there are other people who are sacrificing their safety to make sure um, that the doctors and nurses and whomever else, and then obviously the patients get the care they need. Of course, later on, I, I found out for some reason he was actually a sniper. And I almost thinking to myself, well, man, I like the fact that I was talking to him about him being a cook. Right? Right. <laughs> like now it's totally shifted. I don't know why they wanted to tell me. I don't know why my parents felt like they should protect me and tell me he was a cook. Uh, but, you know, I want, I literally want to say six months ago, I found out he was a sniper when we were building out my bio for this job. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so that's, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell. I'll share a little a, a funny uh, cook story, um, and it's this is kind of tells you about how those guys really help out with the morale. Uh, I was out doing field operations when I was over in Okinawa, and nothing, not 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 war based, just just training, right? And when I got back to the base, I found out that I missed. Our, our steak and lobster day because every every once in a while they bring in steak and lobster seriously right and I was That's like delicious right right and I was so <laughs> I was so bummed out and uh, one of the guys that was in the room was like and he's pretty new I didn't know him and he's like hey doc I I, I can hook you up with steak and lobster I'm like yeah whatever right and he goes no seriously and he he goes 
I, I got I got the keys and he went down to the kitchen and cooked me uh steak and lobster uh because he had the ability to do that and man that that was just so one of those things I remember for the rest of my life that was he didn't have to do it you know and he did and, and uh, it kind of brought my morale a little bit back up from from being bummed out for for missing that uh kind of unique meal that we we get every once in a great while when we're serving well, that's awesome. And now I'm going to want steak and lobster. <laughs> that's what I want for dinner now. I'm going to go tell my husband now. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So um, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about the foundation and, uh, you know, the rest of the work you guys are doing. Thank you, Todd. First of all, congratulations on being voted in the top 10 podcast for public health. That is awesome. Since this pandemic, we've been inundated with cities and businesses having difficulties with communication while their teams are working remotely. Problems with call qualities, call failing, so many issues. So with that in mind, what we wanted to do is offer EM Weekly listeners free and immediate software deployment for 30 days during the pandemic with the potential to extend it further if needed in order to help with reliable communication, coordination of operations, keeping track of people's health status, and providing direction to help keep their teams safe and healthy. We even deployed TMED, that's Titan's version of telemedicine, ahead of schedule to help with non-critical medical offices to help them stay operational, and hospitals keeping non-critical patients at home so they can save on supplies and resources. Just go to tinyhst.com, click book a demo, and let us know that you heard about us on EM Weekly to get that free deployment. Thank you for listening to our sponsor because without them, we really couldn't bring you the, the quality content that we do. So please reach out to them and let them know that you heard about them here on the EM Weekly Show. And uh, before we jumped on break, we're talking just about, you know, some of the stuff that the Gary Sinise Foundation is doing uh, with the first responders and, and the hospitals and, and whatnot. But I really want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the foundation in general. And for those of you that don't know uh, about the foundation, which I'm, I'd be really surprised if you don't, because considering the fact that you know the field that we're in as emergency managers and, and first responders, we we probably have heard of the Lieutenant Dan Band and and uh, the stuff that he's been do- Gary Sneese has been doing uh, with the USO and, and whatnot. But I'd like to talk a little bit more about the foundation and and what you guys are doing. So Elizabeth. How do you guys work within the systems? Like, how do people find you? How do first responders uh, reach out to you guys? That's a great question. So, it's been a combination of things. Um, the foundations only exists for eight years, which always amazes me because, you know, in 2011, when Gary started this foundation, you know, we were, I don't know, an organization of three and earlier I had mentioned our staff has grown eight years later, we have 42 people on staff. So it's just amazing the growth we've seen and the impact we can deliver. But as far as getting in touch with first responders and our veterans and military and Gold Star families and how, how we communicate with them, it's a combination of things. I'd say a lot of it, quite frankly, is word of mouth. You know, mm-hmm. Gary is such a, a impactful name in these communities that the foundation um, it's, it's just a known entity. It's because the Lieutenant Dan Band is playing at bases. It's because, um, you know, we have this program called Soaring Valor, where we take World War II veterans and we pair them up with high school students and we take them to the National World War II Museum. And it's fantastic because these high school students get to hear firsthand 
about their experiences when they were serving. And so the National World War II Museum knows we exist. And it's just because we do so many different kinds of programs and services and initiatives, and we partner with like-minded organizations that people know we exist and they know to reach out. Um, the only other option right now is really using our websites, garrisonesefoundation.org, and everything we do and how we support is really available on the website. But we're working on growing. We're thinking of um, starting some local chapters because there's a lot of people that always say they want to get involved in their communities. And we realize how crucial it is to get the word out and to make an impact locally. So we're looking at that as well. What a great resource. What a great resource. And, and again, thank you for, for that work that you're doing, because I think that as we, and as the collective, we are out there uh, helping, uh, you know, the victims the, of, the, of the natural disaster, um, sometimes we forget about our own uh, staff members and, and uh, you know, the first responders and the EOC staff and the medical responders that are receiving these patients. And, and uh, there are times when, you know, we, I don't say we forget about them, but we just go, this is what our job is, this is what we signed up for, and, and we kind of move forward. But to have an organization uh, like you guys that are looking out for, for us, uh, I think it's really impactful and empowering uh, to our, our members that, that are out here doing it. Because contrary to popular belief, uh, a lot of the guys and gals that are doing this across the country, you know, aren't making millions of dollars a year working as an EMT. You know, some of them are working uh, for just above minimum wage. And, and when they get impacted, uh, sometimes being able to pay for groceries or their rent, um, you know, you know, isn't there if they can't work their, their shifts. So I think an organization like the Gary Sinise Foundation stepping up to do this is just fantastic. And it just, it really just makes me feel, uh, feel great. And I hate, hate the fact that something, you know, kind of sounds selfish that it makes me feel great, but I'm just so glad that you guys are here. Oh, well, thank you. We're so glad to be here. I, I can tell you that during the year, right. We, we obviously are doing this 365 days a year. We obviously are right now in this such a unique situation that we're concentrating our efforts on emergency services or emergency combat service campaign. But quite frankly, we're actually still helping serve our other part of our mission. So there are people that are calling and saying, hey, I need to pay rent or whatever it is that we're having issues because of something else that's happening in their mm -hmm. lives. You know, so it's it's something we always do. It's just enhanced right now for obvious reasons. But, you know, seriously, if if there is an EMT or a firefighter or a policeman or woman um, during the year that's, you know, I don't know, their their spouse lost their job or for a variety of reasons they can't put food on the table, that, you know, that's not acceptable. You guys are on the front lines helping us, saving lives. And we can't we can't exist as a society without without your community. So of course we're gonna help pay for food or rent or some mortgage anytime to the best of our abilities. It doesn't have to be during a crisis. I know that there are no events going on right now due to our national pause, if you will. When this 
pause is lifted and we start to are able to have uh, events again, uh, I'd love to have you, you know, shoot me your contact information regarding, uh, and I'll, I'll put the, obviously in the show notes, everybody show, you know, if your pencil's not working or whatever, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll have clickable links down there uh, to be able to get to the websites. Uh, but to be able to go and support the, uh, the band, Lieutenant band, Lieutenant Dan band, sometimes it's hard to say. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> um, you, you know, or, or other events that, that you guys are having, you know, I, I highly recommend uh, doing that as well. And if somebody wanted to donate, let's say, you know, to, to the organization, how could they do that? Well, the easiest way is to go to garrisonesfoundation.org. There's a donate link and there's two links right now, actually. There's the COVID-19 combat service link if you want to donate specifically to this campaign. But then there's our general donate button and you can designate the donation to one of our four programs too. Um, obviously, unrestricted support is always preferred, but if you sit there and say, I want to help build a home for a certain veteran in my area, or I want to help bolster our families, you can designate the, the donations as well. If you don't have access to online, you can certainly you know, call the foundation and say, I want to make a donation. You can transfer it to our development department. And that phone number is 818-432-8988. Awesome. And again, that information will be down in the show notes. So just uh, if your pencil's not working, uh, go ahead and uh, click the links down there and we'll get all that information to you. I'm going to let you say one last thing to everybody because we're getting here close to the end. If there's one thing that you'd like to say to all the emergency managers and first responders um, in the world, what would it be? We are so grateful for you. I feel privileged every single day to work at this foundation because I can wake up in the morning and I know Gary can and our entire staff and sit there and say, without you, we would not be here. And we're so grateful. We're so thankful. And there's not enough things that we can do to support you. But when you do, you reach out to us and let us know. And we're going to do what we can whenever we can. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate being on your show today. Thank you for listening to this episode of EM Weekly. And please follow us on your favorite podcast player. And thank you to Sitch Radio, the home of the EM Weekly show. For more information, please go to www.sitchradio.com. See you next week.